Hey, this is Pat Flynn from Fiddlehead, and you're listening to The New Scene. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The New Scene. This is Keith. And Tommy. And we're back with another brand new episode every week. You can count on us to be here every week. You might not even be able to count on your own family to be there for you every week. But us, we're here every Monday morning. Like clockwork. Yes, like clockwork. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, you could set, you could literally set your watch to it. I actually have an alarm on my phone because I like to be one of the first people to like the post. Oh, well, that's very kind. We need that. But folks, tonight is an exciting show. We've got Brandon Williams of Chastity. Now, I recently discovered this band and I absolutely love them. Tommy, this is one of my go-to bands now. When when people ask me for recommendations on new music, aka never, <laughs> but when I'm in the mood to share music, this is one of the bands I always share. Absolutely love the record. Suffer Summer was just released January 13th via Deathwish. And it's amazing. I love the sound. And I like the sound that it goes from kind of like punky, kind of upbeat, kind of rocky stuff to like very nice acoustically well-arranged string, string-backed kind of orchestral things. It's it's a really, really great record. Oh, yeah. Big time. My favorite tracks, Pummeling and Vicious Circle, Tommy. I cry at Vicious Circle. That is a great song. It's like, it's like, it's like. It's crazy. <laughs> Check out Chastity. We're going to add them to our 2022 Spotify playlist, so search that out. Okay, so folks, we are in week three of the New Scene Charity Drive, and I'm going to lay ourselves out before the court once again. <laughs> now, fo- <laughs> I, this piano bed has been in our podcast platform f- since we started, and I've been waiting to use it this whole time and now i finally have a reason folks we need your support we need reviews we need podcast reviews we need apple podcast reviews we need spotify reviews i have gone and checked the other podcasts tommy the other podcasts have hundreds of reviews even the newer ones and we are still under 100 and folks i am going to keep torturing you until you get us over 100 reviews and a lot of you have submitted reviews our pleading is working so i thank you we're going to read a couple of the new reviews in segment three but folks please go into your apple podcast and spotify applications and give us a five-star review we need it we want it and folks as a reminder the new scene long sleeve life is music is life shirt is available now at the death wish inc store Search the new scene at Deathwish Inc. slash store and buy the shirt. You want the shirt. You need the shirt. It's an attractive shirt. You need it. And it's the number one way you can support us right now. The number one way. We have we have uh, mounting costs. Tommy's house is about to be foreclosed on. His children have not eaten in days. Uh, his neighbors have called Child Protective Services on him. They are going to take the children away, and my family hates me because the podcast is 
hemorrhaging money every month. So we're in a bad situation. Your your commentary, Tommy. None of that's true. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so the number one way you guys can support us, as Keith already said, is just just buy a shirt. The shirt's awesome. It looks awesome. You can cut the sleeves off like I'll do. It'll look amazing on you. You'll look phenomenal. People will love you. Um, women will adore you. Men will envy you. You'll be phenomenal. And uh, what else? Oh, leave a review, please. And uh, tell us why you like the show. Tell us which was your favorite show, why was it your favorite show, and then talk about how hilarious I am and uh, how good Keith is at interviewing. And uh, you can also mention how cheap I am if you'd really like. (laughs) Well said, Tommy. Thank you. And look, we really appreciate everybody's support, whether it's reposting us or purchasing the shirt or the new reviews that are coming in. Thank you so much. And... Folks, don't forget to support our sponsor, Iodine Recordings. They've got two albums up now for pre-order, Audio Karate Ultra and Ritual Earth 2020. Pick them up. Great bands, great music. And we may be talking to them soon enough, Tommy, huh? Hmm? Hmm? Yeah, possibly. Maybe? Maybe? Nothing could possibly go wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So check them out, iodinerecords.com. All right, so in music news, Tommy... I don't know if you saw this, but Converge is doing a Poacher Diaries reissue. Did you see this? Did you hear about this? Did you witness this? I did not. So my question is this. When it gets re-released, is it just the Converge tracks or is it Converge and Agoraphobic Nosebleed like they're doing the whole thing? I think it's just the Converge tracks. I love it. Yeah. Now, I hope this means they'll play these songs again live because if I hear Locust Rain or... My Great Devastator live, <laughs> I will, well, I won't do anything, but I'll be really stoked. Just remember, I can name 20 guys that would kill to love me. <laughs> and I'm one of them, Tommy. <laughs> That's just like, that is such a <laughs> fucking great sample to put at the end of that fucking whole, that actually was, uh, oh, this is a complete like memory that just came back with this. I bought a Converge shirt and it was the cover of, uh, well, the inside cover of, poacher diaries which was that god-sized hand uh crushing that uh like misshapen angel and it had like very uh like low-hanging breasts and i remember i walked in the house with it and i had a sweatshirt on and i took it my sweatshirt off and my mom saw my t-shirt and then i put it in the wash and then i never saw that t-shirt again Oh, like I, and I, it, this is, well, I, I was 100% like in my early twenties, like my mother, my mother took a shirt for me that I had purchased with my own money. Like she was just like, that's not, you're not, that's not happening in my house. I was like, okay. She disappeared the shirt. Yeah. She's like the mafia. She disappeared a couple shirts. She took one of my old thrasher shirts too, but that was because it was just, that had a lot of holes in it. And she was like, I can't have you out in public like that. Well, I will listen to the re-release. How about you, Tommy? Oh, yeah. Is it So it's re, being re-released. Is it remastered, too, or no? Oh, right. Yeah, it's remastered, too. Love it. I will absolutely listen to that. All right. We're out of time for this segment, but check back in with Tommy and I at the end. We're going to read some new reviews. We're going to read a new email from a listener. But right now, we are going to speak to Brandon Williams of Chastity. Enjoy. Every day. 
right, folks, we're here now with Brandon Williams. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. You know, I recently discovered chastity, and I don't know what rock I was living under the whole time that I didn't hear you until recently, but I'm glad I have, and you are here now. So, Brandon, let me start by asking, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm pretty good, yeah. it's uh, We're in like a sort of lockdown again in ontario and uh but got to see some pals today it's like a it's like a lockdown but you can see some pals so i was able to see some pals finally and uh and doing doing well overall i wish i was playing shows the new album just came out and the plan was to be playing in winnipeg i think winnipeg manitoba tonight and we're gonna do a canadian thing and but everything of course has been uh postponed so just waiting until this thing clears or whatever (laughs) so but doing doing well overall how are you doing oh great yeah we're here tonight recording another soon-to-be classic episode of the show we love that and uh let's see it's midweek yeah you know what tomorrow is my night off when i'm finally done editing and all that so i usually eat a nice dinner and play some video games and unwind. And that's nice. what I look forward to. Nice. That'll be good. Oh, yeah. Brandon, uh, can I ask you a quick question about, uh, have you heard a lot about that the trucker thing that's going on in Canada? Big time. Yeah. They're like about to like pass by where I live and stuff. And yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm surprised. So is that in the sort of American news? Yeah. Well, for folks who don't know, aka me, what is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, you're you're from Canada. Do you want to explain it, and then I'll, I I can kind of see what, what uh, the version I got from like Reuters or whoever. Well, I think it's basically this fringe group of. Well, so I think it goes back. There's a vaccine mandate um, for truckers crossing the border. They need to be fully vaccinated. And I'm pretty sure 90% of the truckers are vaccinated. But anyways, this group has organized and yeah, they're, I think they started out in BC, out in Western Canada, and they're protesting. They're making their way to Ottawa, to like our capital city, you know, our sort of Washington, DC. And yeah, they're just protesting the vaccine mandate, but I guess there's a GoFundMe that started and there's been $4 million raised, but the woman that set it up is, she's kind of, she's affiliated with the Maverick party, it's called. And it's like this fringe kind of right-wing political party. And they were the ones behind like Wexit, like the Western Canada wanting to exit Canada. <laughs> so, and it's just this anti, they're basically like this anti-immigration, like, loser party so we're not the only ones being ridiculous here in america it sounds like and that brings me some level of comfort yeah yeah totally i mean there's i think there's people here that definitely look to the sort of QAnon sort of crowd i imagine i mean the world is changing or whatever and a province like alberta it's like the oil sands right it's like oil and their economy there and so I think the like prospect of green energy and renewable energy and the advent of that shit is just a big threat to 
the way these people are used to living and their privilege. Uh, and I think they're protective, I guess, over times changing and the world evolving and moving on. And I think past them and I think they worry about their income or whatever. And I don't know. It's, I think it's just sad overall. I don't sympathize. You know, I'm not saying I sympathize and I'm not a supporter of Wexit, <laughs> but it's like, shit, if, I wish we could explain it so slowly that it's going to be better for all of us if, you know, the world doesn't completely fuck up. And, <laughs> and yeah, climate change is like, this is the same kind of region that floods are happening and forest fires, you know, are happening the most is out in Western Canada. Um, so the effects of climate change are already threatening that much more than some economical like transition from oil to some green energy solutions we can come up with, you know? I just remember reading about this, like Alberta has a ton of oil, but it's extremely dirty and it's under like yeah. quartz. So it's incredibly hard to get to. It's really energy intensive to get to. And once you get it, you have to clean the shit out of it before it's actually usable. So there's like an enormous amount of energy that goes into producing just single barrels. So exactly. uh, yeah, it's really, 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 <laughs> it's very detrimental to the climate. Yeah, it's true. And I think we sell most of it to you guys, ironically. like Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. where... Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, <that's so laughs> I mean, I thought you guys had some or whatever, but <laughs> I don't know. It's get never it. enough. Yeah. Yeah. We need more. Yeah. We need more. We bathe in it down here. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, there's truckers on their way to Ottawa. <laughs> I'm sorry for that long. entirely huge sidetrack, but yeah. No, no. no. I just... So, Brandon, you grew up in Ontario, yes, in Whitby. Yep, in Whitby. Do you still live there now? Just at the beginning like of the pandemic, I moved to a place called Hamilton, and that's just on the other side of Toronto. But yeah, I grew up in Whitby, lived most of my life in Whitby, and and hope to return. I think, similar to the States, the like real estate market and the rental market and everything is completely fucked. Um, yep. and Whitby was like that and Hamilton wasn't and got in sort of in the nick of time for some inexpensive kind of rent that I could do, you know, chastity full time, fortunately. And it wouldn't have been the case and would have divided my focus if I had was living in Whitby, but, um, I'm from Whitby and we rep Whitby, you know, <laughs> <laughs> tell us about it. Tell us about growing up there. It's just 45 minutes outside of toronto there's a train you know like a commuter train that goes to toronto it's kind of like a bedroom community really of toronto and um there's like about a hundred thousand people there's 10 hockey arenas there's no venue or anything <laughs> like music venue and yeah it's it's like a pretty big exporter of nhl hockey players but um <laughs> yeah it's uh it's kind of quiet. I mean, it's just sort of suburban sprawl, like hilarious urban planning, you know, just like residential around the Walmart or whatever, you know, it's like, but I love it. And I, yeah, it's what I knew growing up. Luckily there's a skate park and whatever for those that weren't playing hockey. And, um, and we kind of made our own fun. It's pretty similar probably to a lot of suburbs around the world. 
Yeah, you, as you're describing it, I'm like, well, that sounds pretty much like Bucks County, where we grew up. Yeah, except True. instead of no hockey rinks, well, one hockey rink, but uh, lots of football fields. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I see. Tons of football yeah. fields. I have, a, I have a very stereotypical Canadian question. One, do you watch Letterkenny? And two, how accurate is it? Uh, we just watched it. We were showing an American Letterkenny. My bassist, Julia, watches it. And it was my first time watching a full episode I definitely know people that talk like that and have that thick of an accent. I'm told I have a bit of an accent. Uh, I can't hear it, obviously, but um, I think it's fairly accurate. I've been to that town, Listowel. I have friends in Listowel. I think that's where it takes place in Ontario. And yeah, I think it's that's more like rural, probably Ontario style. So that wasn't necessarily the Whitby way, you know, but... I think in Listowel, you'd probably find people like that, you know, from what I've seen anyway. And there's definitely like hockey. I know there's these two characters, right? They're like the hockey bros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's accurate. That's that's basically Whitby. And then the skids, <laughs> like there's there were skids or whatever, like those of us that were not into hockey or whatever. It's like, yeah, skids. Uh, <laughs> and then everywhere in between, I guess so. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and then growing up in Canada, are you indoctrinated with hockey or is that a stereotype? No, it's I think it's probably pretty real. Like it's everywhere. There's a high school hockey team and and it's quite popular. And like hockey night in Canada every Saturday night, it's sort of a cultural event that like in my area, like the Toronto Maple Leafs were playing. The Toronto Maple Leafs are like by far the biggest hockey team in the nhl and it's sort of like hollywood up here for athletes that come up here and <laughs> it's like the media is crazy about hockey here i think compared to everywhere else especially and so it's real it's like i played hockey i think i think like literally parents presume that their kid will like hockey and so they all just are like everyone's put in hockey <laughs> and so i played and yeah people play pond hockey like I was driving the other day, the ice is frozen over on like like lakes here. Um, and we've got a lot of them in Ontario and you can see people playing like pond hockey and whatever. I imagine you guys have a bit of that too, though, don't you? Like people out skating um, and whatever. Not really. No, at least in the suburbs I grew up in. I didn't really know anybody that played hockey until high school. Wow. It's it's not as much of a thing. It's football and soccer and basketball here. But did you like it when you played it? Uh, I wasn't very good. So I think I enjoyed being with people or whatever a bit. But it was also like pretty like aggro and not necessarily my style, you know. Um, yeah. So I liked it, I think, when I was younger. And then I think I realized like just the testosterone was a bit much like in the arena you know it was just a a bit yeah yeah i liked it when i was really young because you play the game there's no weirdness they give you orange slices afterwards it's all fun yeah. but then as i got older there's just this ugliness to it where you get made fun of and i remember there was kids not even on the team making fun of me being like oh you don't play anymore and it's like who are you yeah you're not doing shit <laughs> honestly yeah i so i like worked at the hockey arena I, I went, after i quit hockey i was a timekeeper so i was like the scoreboard person and at the time i was just like 
I had long hair and was wearing tight clothes, like tight pants and whatever. And <laughs> so there were definitely choice words thrown at me. Basically every day I was coming into work and getting that. And people would get pissed at the refs for making calls that they didn't favor. And people would get pissed at me. Like parents would scream at me for doing little shit. And I forget what they were even upset at, but just the aggression, I think. I was just so put off, I think, by the hockey arena. But recently I was at the, that same hockey arena. The band Rush played this the big arena there. There's like 14, it's like 1,400 people, I think. It's a big seated arena or whatever and uh, can fit. And um, they played there, I think, June 14th, 1975. And I just found out about this, but I'm dreaming of sort of a 50-year anniversary show. Rush is no longer playing. Rest in peace, Neil Peart. But um, yeah, I kind of dream of having a, a show in that same arena and bringing a bunch of bands from the area or whatever and trying to fill it as best we can. Potentially, I looked it up and 50 years to the date is a Saturday. So anyways, it's just a recent dream. It's like a pandemic uh pipe dream <laughs> when we're out of this and whatever maybe we can have a show at that same hockey arena we're putting it out into the universe now so it's gonna happen yeah exactly we're good. gonna get it done nice good <laughs> you hear, heard it here first eh? <laughs> that is right that is right so you're growing up right i read that uh, you discovered punk rock and that kind of music through a local venue the dungeon yes yeah exactly tell us about that yeah it's it's next door to Whitby in this city called Oshawa. Uh, I think there was 150,000 people living in Oshawa. And yeah, it was just an all-ages basement venue. I think the legal capacity was probably 150, but the shows I would go to, I mean, there'd probably be twice that. Um, <laughs> and I was just exposed to these bands. I think bands basically would tour and play Montreal and Toronto, maybe Ottawa. And I think Oshawa was like just a stop, like a Monday or Tuesday night stop usually for these bands that had just played Toronto. You get what I mean? Like just an extra, um, some gas in the tank, you know, for the tour. So I got to see some sweet bands come through there. And um, yeah, I just kind of, I guess I just felt like I found my crowd around the dungeon and, so yeah, some of my closest friends still today, I've, I met at the dungeon and we went to shows together and it was a sweet place. That's awesome. Yeah. You, you know, your story, the more you tell it, the more it sounds exactly like ours, you know, all ages venue, way over capacity, yeah. disenfranchised by suburban upbringing, hating the sports people. I love it. Yeah. Good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> So what was your thing? Like, what kind of music grabbed you? I came in listening to the most insane stuff at the time, Colesque, mm. Dillinger Escape Plan, Disembodied, all that stuff. And I was instantly grabbed by it and the danger at the shows and the thrill of it all. What was what was your thing? Yeah, I mean, I liked those bands and, um, and saw Dillinger Escape Plan several times. Um, and they always just fucking blew my mind and it was hard and it was a, just an extreme kind of show they put on. Um, I think I was more drawn just slightly lighter, you know, than that. Um, um, I first heard like Alexis on fire, 
like probably when I was in grade eight. And I think that blew my mind. Um, I grew up in the church and I was like fairly sheltered uh, growing up and wasn't allowed to watch our sort of MTV up here was called Much Music, but would sort of sneak it or whatever. And for some reason, they were playing Alexis on Fire often, like this sort of screamo project um, and discovered them. And it just, yeah, it blew my mind. And I discovered this whole world that was happening at the time in Southern Ontario. There's this band called The Gorgeous. Um, there are there a ton of bands anyway. And it just unlocked this world. And um, that was sort of my my first real love with sort of outsider music was just, it was kind of more the emo type shit than the harder shit. But that being said, I, I got to see Suicide Silence at the dungeon. Like I got to see some some good, you know, kind of metal shit at, at the dungeon too. I would just go whenever I could get there, you know? And I remember Suicide Silence slept over at my friend Grizzly Adams' house and and his mom uh, made them like bacon and eggs in the morning and <laughs> and like in their 15-passenger van and trailer and shit, like Suicide Silence dropped my buddy off at at school the next day. <laughs> it's pretty hard. It's pretty badass. <laughs> what, now, was that like a mark of approval for the school or were they like, ah, whatever? I, I didn't go to the same school, but uh, I think it must have felt like a mark of approval for Grizzly. But I think the environment in Oshawa was similar sort of sporto type shit to Whitby. And people probably didn't know who Suicide Silence were uh, other than, you know, <laughs> oh, the handful of kids that were on myspace or whatever at the time so um right so you grew up religious yes yeah tell us about that a little bit because i yeah i grew up going to catholic school my parents took us to church every week and i was never like i don't know i was never devout but i believed i guess one th- negative thing i'll say about it is that i I was too trusting and I believed everything they told me, you know, like you're going to go to hell if you do this and that. I think I believed in Santa Claus until I was in like fourth grade and that's just way too late. And I didn't figure stuff out until way later than everybody else. And that created a lot of awkward situations. Tell us about your experience, Brandon. Totally. I I mean, I think same, like, I think, uh, yeah, I grew up like in the Salvation Army church. Um, so that was like a lot of brass band, um, hymns, kind of old school type shit. And, but I was also surrounded by music, which I'm kind of grateful for now. And I learned to play the euphonium, this instrument, this brass instrument and the trumpet. And I was just around music, went to music camp. Um, it's just kind of in the culture I grew up in, but I didn't hear music that spoke to me until I was you know, until sort of Alexis on fire or whatever. So yeah, it was, and then it was totally shocking and amazing. And, you know, compared to these hymns that I had been used to and, or, or this like lame Christian rock or whatever, honestly. (laughs) So, um, and that being said, I mean, there were sick bands like the chariot, um, and this sort of like solid state thing that was happening and tooth and nail thing that was happening at the time. Right. There were good bands. And I listen to The Chariot today and I'm like, 
it lives up to me. I I still like it, but I didn't discover. I was like, oh, there's also like Christians in this sort of thing. Um, yeah, but that's I didn't discover that until after. But yeah, I mean the church. I mean, I didn't know anything else at the time, but now I look back and I think I do feel sympathy for people just sort of caught in that culture. Yeah, I know in the States, right, it's sort of, I think right now Christianity is sort of associated with Trump somehow and anti-vax type shit. And exactly um, the people that I know that are refusing the vaccine most of them are old church friends and stuff and people, you know, and I think it's sad. Um, and I don't know how that happened because I think my one takeaway from the church was like, love thy neighbor. And I still try to do that. You know, I think it's like pretty valuable. And I think here's your shot to love thy neighbor and you're fucking it up. It's like the actual teachings of the religion itself have been weaponized into something else completely. For sure. For sure. And I think the Jesus that I learned about or whatever sounded pretty tight, like sounded <laughs> cool or whatever, right? That I remember at least. And yeah. it sounds like he would be pissed. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think at least, like, I don't know. He sounds like, a, he sounded like a cool, like lefty, like. <laughs> yeah. He vibed with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I always think about, like, I wouldn't take a hard pinch for humanity. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, nice. Most people suck. Like, I'm not doing that shit. Like, and this dude died. Like, that's that's fucking, that's on point. All right, man. You're right on message. Let's go. Honestly. And not only that, but they weren't even grateful. They were, like, happy to see him go. That's the ultimate sacrifice. For sure. Honestly. Yeah. So it's nuts. But that's the culture here, too. I think... I think people look to the States like often like up here and, and glorify it. And, um, and especially like the sort of American Christianity. I think it's often sad. Like I think if, listen, I think if the church is used as someone's community or source of fellowship or source of friendship and hope in their life, then I support it. And I think it's fine and good. And if they believe this stuff, then they should go every Sunday or whatever and be involved. But I just think it's been so twisted and it's become a really dark, just echo chamber of too much bullshit culturally, you know, and I just see it around me. And I'm nervous about my family members even that are involved and, and caring, you know, caring people really with good hearts, um, just kind of get carried away i think and and indoctrinated with the wrong bullshit yeah i'm fortunate that my family has their belief system and most of it lines up with mine but some of it doesn't but i'm glad i'm not i don't have to deal with any big hurdles you know like my parents aren't refusing to get vaccinated and then i have to worry about that or they're not yeah. out there uh they're not out there protesting against other people because they're different like nothing like that totally you know so i'm i'm fortunate in that regard but I do sympathize with families and people that have to deal with that stuff because boy, like it, I, how do you get around that? Like if my parents aren't refusing, if my parents are refusing to get vaccinated, I, I don't want to go eat with them. You know, I'm putting them at risk. They're putting me at risk. So it's a, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is, but I hope, 
I hope things somehow become less divided. Right. Yeah. I mean, same here for sure. And I'm, I'm fortunate too. I mean, my, my mom is a nurse. Uh, she just retired and then they called her back and said, would you be able to come in and give these vaccines? Like, so she's got a needle in her hand all day and is, is working to get people vaccinated. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. And, um, she's vaccinated and we're getting our boosters up here finally. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess I'm learning that these conversations got to happen slow and they got to, I don't know. I, I That's been my experience with success. Like as fun as the era was of like yelling at each other from our political sides or whatever, I guess the sort of like conservative people in my life, I'm just trying to talk to as slow as I can. And it's like, Hey, I guess a good bonding point that I found is like, okay, I'm some commie or whatever. You're a conservative. <laughs> um, it's like, okay, we both have this disdain for the like status quo, right? Like, so let's bond. We put, do we both hate Trudeau? Like, let's start there then. What do we hate? And then what's the solution away from that? And my thing always is like, how can the most people possible be served? You know what I mean? And, and represented by policy. And then comes a conversation, you know, and it's like, how can we care for the most amount of people? And then you can boil that back down, I think, to the vaccine and like, how can we protect grandma or whatever? You know, how can we protect these people around us that are vulnerable? Like, we both care, right? You know, so, and I, I think I found that there is care in these people's hearts. It's just, there's just mud or whatever <laughs> before it that has happened externally, hopefully, you know. Maybe it's idealistic. I know you guys probably face maybe some more extreme <laughs> shit down there. But um, anyways, I'm just trying to take it slow. Same here. And I, I mean, I live in New York City, so I'm kind of in a bubble. I don't come across too many extremists. Tommy, you probably come across more in Bucks, right? I, I would just keep on moving and not not engage. <laughs> uh, I mean, you see it from time to time, but, uh, you know, like, especially with like how you know, with me, like I, I really don't spend a, an enormous amount of time out. Like I, you know, I'm either at school teaching or I'm at home with the girls. Like I haven't had any real run-ins. Uh, and I, I was actually explaining this the other day with my daughter, we went to the supermarket and we had masks on and she was like, well, you know, some people at school were saying the masks don't really work. And I was like, well, I, I don't really know the science behind it. I'm sure we could read some stuff when we get home. But what I do know is like, it, it causes negative social interactions with a lot of people if you're not wearing your mask and you're too close to somebody. So I do it out of respect for other people because especially like I haven't been feeling a hundred percent like the last few days. I was like, I, God forbid I do have something. I, I don't want to transmit it even if it's not COVID. Um, but I was like, really what it comes down to is kind of like Brandon, what you were talking about. It's like, you know, love thy neighbor. Like I really want to make sure I take care of the people around me. Uh, but I don't necessarily have real serious run-ins with like super like anti-vax people um you know you hear people say things like i was in 7-eleven the other day getting cash out of the atm and a guy was like i walked in and he like looked right at me and like right in my eyes like looked me in the face and was like why are you even wearing a mask and i just kept it <laughs> i was like all right cool just keep it moving just get your cash like and it's wow. like 
I, I'm kind of a bigger dude. Like, so like okay. and he was like yeah. a really small, he was like a really tiny guy. I was like, wow, this guy's got some balls on him. All right. Like, yeah. I, I, I guess he just felt like that was necessary to say. And then I kind of stuck around a little bit. Just, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just browse a little bit, see if he says it to other people. And he said it to every single person that wasn't wearing a mask. Like, why are you rocking a mask? What's up with that? I'm like, uh, all right, maybe this dude's just a little drunk. It is like after 10, like, all right, maybe he's just tanked up and came in here to like play like the lotto machines or whatever. But maybe he doesn't even know about COVID. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I've, Keith, kind of to answer your question, I really haven't had really, I mean, you know, this is a fairly affluent area. Like most of the places we are in here, like in, there's no places that are like uh, extraordinarily kind of, I, I associate that kind of behavior with usually like, uh, pretty rural areas or at least like the kind of exurban kind of like outside of the suburban areas and I, I i haven't had any interaction like that so brandon you are attending shows at the dungeon you are inspired by alexis on fire and other bands so this probably puts us around 2003 2004 right yep okay so how did you decide you wanted to start performing yeah, I, I, honestly, at first I started performing like acoustic type of shit. So I kind of went the other way. Um, I think the well to draw from like of people that were uh, musicians in my high school, everyone was kind of spoken for and they started uh, this band um, that was kind of post iron maiden or something you know <laughs> just this post like just a different uh the kids were wearing black clothes but just different uh <laughs> black clothes than me or whatever my shirt said the used or Alexis on fire or whatever uh and there said pantera or whatever you know um so i guess i just took matters into my own hands and just was playing acoustic uh just one buddy and and i and from another school and and that's kind of where it started for me and um and was just playing around town when i when i could and and yeah it was uh it was kind of a long journey honestly into chastity chastity didn't start until well 2015 or something and um so it was just i think i was just like a long time admirer and just sort of studying you know and watching and trying to learn from other bands and whatever and just observing you get what i mean i totally get what you mean because even though i was in bands i always felt on the outside and i never really felt like i was doing exactly what i wanted to do i haven't felt that until very recently actually but i'm inspired by people like yourself brandon who take matters into their own hands like you say all the musicians at your high school are spoken for so you just get out with there with your friend and start playing acoustically. Yeah. And I think that I think that's a great thing. Sweet. Yeah, totally. Like yeah, it was uh it was maybe not the ideal, but I, I was also learning how to sing or whatever and I was just starting to get warmed up. So, but it was just sort of fucking around and whatever, throwing some stuff online and kind of taking it from there, you know. So tell us about leading up to 2015 when Chastity starts. Are you just playing acoustic the whole time? Did you get more confident with what you were doing? Did you find any good response to the songs you were putting out there? Yeah, I mean, so 
in uh, when I was 19 anyways, I had a project and it was on MySpace. Um, this part I kind of omit from uh, some interviews or whatever, but um, I was in a, another project that was kind of getting attention online and whatever. Um, and I ended up signing with Warner. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> and, wow. And just wrote a ton of music um, for it and not a lot of it got released and it was kind of sad on and it was like a pretty discouraging time in music for me. And um, So wait, you're, you're on Warner. Now you're writing music that you're performing and putting out there, yes? Yeah. Wait, you said a lot of it wasn't getting released? Yeah, like it was, I was delivering it to the label and whatever. And I think this was at a time, truthfully, when MySpace was phasing out. It's like this thing that my project grew on and people knew it from. Um, so this is probably 2008-ish. Yeah, exactly. And and I think the label was still trying to figure out, in a sort of pre-Instagram world, I'm pretty sure, or pre... It was probably just Facebook or whatever. I don't... I can't remember totally, but... Um, yeah, because MySpace music was awesome, right. and Facebook music never really took off, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Yeah. So until until the big social media platforms came around, it was sort of a in between phase, big time. And that's kind of when I was I was on like with these labels, and I think they were trying to rely on my own network for my stuff to get heard, and um it was just a big frustrating bad feeling time in music for me and that's interesting because you're you're on a major label you are recording and releasing music yet you don't feel fulfilled at all yeah yeah totally and and i think too i didn't have the greatest sense of who i was though at the same time so the onus is a bit on me as well and i was living in toronto for a bit in this time and uh honestly i moved I was working, working, working on stuff and to no end and to no release. And so, yeah, I moved back to Whitby and I think I was like, okay, I just want to figure out who I am exactly here. Like, and, and write from that standpoint instead. And, and I also want to figure out how not to get fucked over by the music industry. Um, so I can kind of play this game again on my terms. So I kind of invested the money that I, any money I had left over from my deal and started taking courses like at Berkeley college of music, um, for like, it was like a marketing and music management, um, thing I got from there. And, uh, I just wanted to sort of speak the language and keep up with these employee, like these, these, uh, execs that I was sort of intimidated by, um, and just keep up now, you know, and, so I did that. I studied and I finished something up in in Hamilton, Ontario, where I am now. And there's kind of a culture around me here of music and more of the music that I was going to the dungeon and seeing, you know, um, it was kind of happening around me here a bit. Um, bands like Mets. I saw the band Mets play in Toronto and I was like, shit, okay, this is what cuts deep with me you know let's do something closer to this type of shit and just got chastity going sort of as a result of those years and as a result of you know 
this long and windy weird road was like it was finally like okay here i am here's these this type of shit that i prefer i can maybe live in this world instead you get what i mean absolutely I imagine by the time you started Chastity, you had the knowledge from that you got at Berkeley. You had the knowledge from seeing bands. You had the knowledge from being on Warner and playing previously. So by the time it was time to start the band, you knew exactly how to do it. Yes? Yeah, totally. I mean, now it was time, though, to execute and to, like, I knew I wanted to shoot these videos. I kind of had a vision for a bunch of videos. Um I just then had to launch, you know, and get in, get into it. And I think the most valuable thing I learned from Berkeley is just like they talked about unmarketing and to not <laughs> market, like just be yourself. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, shit, I spent all this money and they just said something so obvious or whatever. And I can maybe s- save other people some money. But um, I think it's just right there in front of you, like just rep who you are and where you're from or whatever and and sing your neighborhood song you know what i mean and um i think that was the biggest thing that i just had to execute on and and yeah it, it kind of just flowed and and i was able i've been able now to have multiple releases and it's been a decent time just in chastity and yeah it's been the most seamless time anyways of me and releasing music within this industry and with sort of label partners and the whole thing. So you start the band around 2015. What what do you do? Are you playing out locally? How do you get it rolling? Yeah, my first show was in my bedroom in Whitby. And then my second, do you know the band Priests? No. It's a good DC punk band. I don't know if they're a band anymore. I know one of their members in flasher but anyways played a show with priests in toronto and then we're just kind of playing where we could i knew promoters a little bit from just going to shows and whatever from like lurking online and whatever and then i like went to england and played some shows we got on this festival it only happened one time but Mets was playing and a few and chelsea wolf we went and played with chelsea wolf like we opened How'd you get on the festival? I have no idea. Like this agent, <laughs> yeah, like shout out Matthew Cooper back then was my agent in the UK and just believed in the project. Um I have no idea. Like it was pretty crazy. I just had a demo, like we released a demo tape and went over. Just bought flights and some friends of mine over there drove us around and it was crazy. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I discovered the band recently, and I was instantly grabbed by it. I really love everything you're doing, and especially the new LP, Suffer Summer, folks. And it was just released on January 13th via Death Wish and Dine Alone, and we're going to get there. But the vibe I got from the band and from the music is we're going through shit, and we're trying our best to get through it. Totally. Is that accurate? Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. I th- And I think it's like better done together you know and i think sort of stronger together or whatever so and i think that's the spirit and sort of the hope of this style of music i hope it's like i think there were like other eras of emo that were maybe misogynistic and uh brought people down and were just sort of dead endy like complaining and whatever and and i hope this 
Eric can be more conscientious of like, yeah, just, I think when you say things out loud, it makes other people who are going through the same shit feel less alone. Right. So that's the relief I get in music is like, oh shit. Like they sang it better than I can feel it even (laughs) or say it myself. So it's been thematic definitely for chastity to, yeah, let's just do it together or whatever. And that really comes across. And, you know, that's a good point that you bring up because I think with some older emo bands, not all of them, but some of it's like, oh, this girl didn't do what I wanted her to do and I'm really mad at her for it. It's her fault. Like, you know, sometimes the music goes there, but your chastity's music, it really is this, it comes across like this feeling of community, like we're all in this together. We're all going to figure this out together. You know, the song Dying to Live, I really love. At one point you say, Another sick person just trying to get well, you, me, everyone I know. That That's like my life because I'm involved with recovery. I'm involved with helping myself, with helping others. That's that's what I live every day. I love it. Amazing. That's sweet you're involved in that. Is it in recovery from um, dependency type issues or is that is that what your work is? Alcohol and drugs. Yeah. Wow. That, that was my thing for a long time. That was my coping mechanism. So I was lost in that for uh, almost two decades. But then I came out and I really started living the life that I want to live. And I'm eternally grateful for that. So on that note, Brandon, what are some of the events that shaped you? What are some of the things you deal with? Totally. Like, I mean, I've got I've got um, sort of dependency uh, sort of issues in in my family and in my friends, I don't really know anyone who doesn't, you know, like I think it's so prevalent um, around us and, and yeah, so that's in my world. And I think in dying to live, like, it's like, I think we're all sort of sick in a way and some of us self-medicate and some of us, you know, we just cope in different ways. And it's, I think I'm just like, can I wonder if we can do it together. And I think that's the way that I've heard about recovery working the best, right? <laughs> Is there, I've heard of these meetings. I've heard of, you know what I mean? It's like where these people come together and it's like solidarity and they can speak about it. It is, That's exactly it. I tried to handle everything myself for a long time and it never worked. Once I introduced other people into the equation, that's when I started getting better and seeing results. For sure. Well, good for you. That's fucking sick. And I think that's the way, like, for sure. And and just taking it a day at a time, right? Like, is what I've heard as well. And um, That's what they say. Yeah. So, and I sing about that a bit. And um, my song, Innocence, is about sobriety. And just every morning I maintain, you know, it's just like, it's just got to be a daily thing and whatever. And, and we talked a bit, I think, before we were recording, but I think we're both fans of seltzers and, and sparkling water anyway. So that's my thing is that's what I, when I'm out or whatever, I'm, I'm trying to drink those, you know, instead. So, and I don't drink alcohol or do drugs. Anyway. I actually got into seltzer from being addicted to drugs. You see, I was on drugs, therefore I was throwing up all the time. So to make my stomach feel better i would drink seltzer in the morning on the way to work and that's how i got hooked on it wow (laughs) holy shit 
the drugs uh, back-ended me into seltzer addiction. But you know what? I'll take that. I was going to ask, like, were you able then to successfully like transfer your addiction to uh, seltzer? I think it's a yeah. good thing. Like, The only thing I've heard, and I encourage you still, please drink seltzer. And it's, it's good that you found that. But I just watched such a damning thing on the pH levels of is the only sketchy thing. I guess it's fucked for your teeth and something for your health, but less so, I guess, than other things that can be chosen. But I just saw that and I was like, fuck, I wish I didn't know that. So sorry to curse I you. I hear know. stuff like, yeah. <laughs> no, I hear stuff like that, but I'm like, I'm, I'm not stopping. No, I'm good. never yeah. stopping. <laughs> I guess I'm now I'm just trying to, instead of drinking six in one day, I'm now trying to drink three in one day and sparkle, like just do straight up still water. <laughs> yeah. for other times of the day but anyways big fan of seltzer big fan of your selection of seltzer in the u.s too <laughs> so oh yeah. yeah we especially in new york city we've got a lot but there was something you said that i want to go back to yeah just talking about um i think everybody deals with things and even drugs and alcohol aside i there's a lot of things about me I've had to rewire and deal with just in terms of how I approach people and how I speak to people and what I think of people and situations and all that stuff. Do you find that for yourself too? Yeah. I mean, um, I'm a bit of like a lifer and I've been sober, honestly, for uh, ever for, I mean, I drank a bit in high school and stuff, but it wasn't for me. And I think I found like straight edge culturally in punk music and whatever and found a a place and I think I just saw people struggling around me and I think I just wanted to be an exception or or something not to struggle but to uh coping in in that way and um and I've been lucky to be able to stay on that track or whatever I know so and I had family members you know that struggled but um but socially is that what you mean like socially as a a sober person out in the world or um yeah like take take drugs and alcohol out of the equation just even dealing with people is its own struggle totally because i ha- i've realized i have bad anxiety and yeah you know i i only like to be out for a certain amount of time and i like to come home and recharge there's all these things for sure oh yeah yeah i'm a homebody big time like um i can be home for a week and sort of not notice or and not get cabin fever. So, so I mean, lockdown, we've been in several lockdowns in Ontario and I know the effects it can have on people's mental health and it's real. And I think we should be talking about it and trying to walk this balance beam of, you know, public health and safety with the virus and then public health and safety with leaving people alone in their homes, you know, for extended periods of time. It's, I think also dangerous, really, right? But again, I'm fortunate I can stay home and chill. I feel relieved from the pressures of (laughs) having to socialize. And for me, my cheekbones start to hurt, right? When I'm smiling too much around people, (laughs) like uh, I get exhausted. I'm definitely an introvert and I like staying home is my preference. And so touring, I think poses a bit of a challenge for that but i stay i don't know i stay pretty quiet maybe on tour and i just try to chill and stay away and not overly socialize and whatever and 
So, I mean, we've only done one tour during COVID um, or like in in COVID, <laughs> in the current pandemic. Um, and it was, I don't mind talking to people and it's sweet and it's so nice people are there. But I also find it a bit hard to handle often. And, and so COVID's given a good front to me sneaking off or whatever you know and, and chilling wherever you know it's good for that and but as the singer you can pull that move like oh i can't talk i have to save my voice for the show. <laughs> yeah nice yeah celine dion like yeah just yeah on vocal rest <laughs> exactly have you done a lot of extensive touring yeah um i think this sort of genre of music or just anything left of center independent like we ought to be touring a lot and, you know, reaching the people, reaching the different communities or whatever. So it's kind of been fucking crazy feeling to put out a record and to not be touring at the moment. But I think my impression, I mean, it just, just came out, I guess, two weeks tomorrow. I think my impression has been like, oh, everyone is on pause. But I guess in America and in the UK, things are still kind of a go people are touring, uh, bands are touring. So I don't know what to do. <laughs> We've got touring. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to read the room. It's such a game, like tours are happening, but they're also getting canceled and pieces of them are getting canceled and pushed back. And it's all over the place. There's no guarantees. Yeah. It's like an investment, right? Every time you tour, it's like, okay, my bandmates are coming with me. People have taken time off work it's going to cost this much. And then all of a sudden we're in California. Someone gets COVID. That's it. How the fuck are we getting home? You know what I mean? And how much is it going to cost us to get home? It's just risky. I'm seeing it happen to a lot of bands and to friends of ours or whatever that are out touring. And it's just a risk. It feels like there's a pretty predictable pattern that in the summer, cases seem to go down, right? Um, or in, in the sort of sunnier months where not as many people are inside, at least for the past two summers during COVID. So I think my mind is that, okay, I've just released an album called Suffer Summer. Maybe we do a summer, <laughs> a Suffer Summer sort of tour and, and do these less you risky You gotta months. do the Suffer Summer tour. For sure. <laughs> like, I think that's maybe what I should be working on and and... And doing, you know, so yeah, I think that's the plan is just like high concentrate, like April to October type of shit and hope that a lockdown or like hope that cases don't spike again this time next year. But shit, we've been saying that for a while, haven't we? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it just feels endless. But let's talk about the new record. Now, folks, once again, Suffer Summer was released January 13th via Death Wish and Dine Alone. Let's talk about this record. When did you record it? Did you have to sit on it for a while because of COVID? Lay it on us. Yeah, um, Rick started recording it. Okay, the plan was we were writing like January, like this time two years ago. So that was January 2020. We started writing and demoing and stuff. Um and then I was supposed to be gone for 80 days, like playing shows. And we we're in Europe with the band Dive, uh, supporting them. And and then this COVID 
thing. We are hearing about it more and more. Um, our shows in Italy were canceled. We couldn't get into Austria from Prague. Uh, people at the venue in Portugal were getting <laughs> this coronavirus, we were calling it at the time. And and I was hoping that we were going to be able to road test these songs, you know, um, these new songs and sharpen them up and then come home and record them right away after 80 days of touring them. It got cut really short. And then we were just home, like everyone else at the same time, right? Like April 2020, just like watching The Sopranos with everybody else. Um, <laughs> and so had this these songs and we were just like, at the time, remember, it was like, this will be done in two weeks. And then it's like, this will be done in a month. And then just cases just kept fucking going up or whatever. And, um, and so I guess we were thinking, okay, we'll record in May. And then May was fucked that year. And and so anyways, short story long, anyway, we recorded the first batch in August of 2020. We just got COVID tests and wore masks and whatever. We did both like and recorded the first batch. We recorded like 15 or 16 songs for the record. And then it felt like there was like very little pressure to put something out at the time, like it felt like we went by the time I was getting mixes and stuff back, we were going into another lockdown here. And I just was like, okay, I'm going to keep writing, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to just add to this pile. I think I've got more to say. I've got more lyrics and um, let's just keep going. So kept going and recorded seven or eight more. And then, yeah, then in, I had an album cover. I took the picture on the front of the cover. I was fucking around with that. And and then Death Wish got involved and and we just kind of made a plan. I, I wanted to put it out on like October 29th, like near Halloween, but we just pushed it. I forget why we even pushed it, but it was like pretty quick. I mean, Trey at Death Wish, legend, like was like, let's get it going. <laughs> like, I think he sent me an email like, I don't want to wait. Like and he was fired out. He's been so supportive and has been his reaction to the record is like the ideal industry person reaction. You know, he hardly feels like an industry person or whatever and how cool he is, you know, it's, um, so I think he's just like a lover of music, you know, and, and, and so just got it going and, I think we didn't know at the time about this fucking vinyl delay that's happening to this extent at least, but yeah, that was sort of the path to suffer summer summed up at least the recording part of it. And how has the reaction been since the release? I mean, I can tell you for sure that Tommy and I love it. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's been uh, the best on any of our records. So I don't know if that's just like a culmination of people who have like, followed chastity all along it's like it's just like the most people or something are with us at this moment but all those people seem to be psyched about it so i'm psyched like yeah i I, it was a crazy kind of two weeks honestly it's been a crazy two weeks of reaction and again it feels fucked it's like i think the way the sort of machine would like this to happen is like 
put it out, there's some hype online, and then you tour it, right? And you keep this flame <laughs> alive. So now the challenge is like, how do I keep this thing alive? You know, and how do I keep, how do people keep finding out about this and not just this initial splash? But um, I mean, we're going to take care of that. No problem. Thank you. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> Sick. I'm genuinely afraid of it. So it's like, I need people to just tell their fucking friends if it's possible about chastity, you know, cause we're not able to tour. I think I might even make a post on Instagram, like in lieu of touring, do you mind just sending it to your friend or whatever, you know? <laughs> so I can tell you that I, I personally have turned at least two people onto the band. So props to me. Respect. Thank you. <laughs> Sick. So when the album's coming out, do you do you get news from the label about how it's doing or do they give you sales figures? Are you are you involved on that level? I'm a bit curious, but I don't typically get like sort of sales figures, but maybe I mean maybe I should ask and and see, <laughs> but um some of the streaming stuff I can see behind the scenes or whatever, like how the Apple Music or Spotify or whatever is doing. But yeah, do you check that? I check it every once in a while. Yeah, I, I some of my friends and bands, we've talked about it and they sort of advise against it. I think it's like sort of addictive and it's sort of, you just end up hating yourself some days or whatever. It's like, oh no, what's happened? So lately I've been trying to keep off it and but then I just get good news. My Canadian label, Dine Alone, has sort of been like, this has happened. And look, you're on the cover of this Spotify playlist and stuff like this. And so I think it's been decent news, but it's kind of, it's like a bit toxic staring at these numbers and, oh, 110 people are listening or what, whatever amount. It's like, <laughs> it's like, but then it's like, shit, is that good or bad? And I compare myself to other, I'm trying to stay more positive than that that's the way to do it and it's good that you have the labels who can just tell you the good high level stuff and i think i think that's where you want to be you know i've gone in and out of that with the podcast obsessively checking stuff or this or that but at this point i know where it's going to be so i I don't need to really obsess or dig deep i can just be like i i know what's going to happen it's fine yeah yeah i think that's a more healthy way isn't it like yeah and just accepting like i think i've got some faith that the record will get legs of its own maybe and will run to these people. Like I do want the record to reach the people who it was written for really. Like there is sort of a mission that I do want it to reach people, you know, but playing this game and whatever too much. I don't, I also just don't want to compromise it and make it feel phony and not like just out of character or something too, you know? Right. Well, listen, Summer of Suffering Tour 2022. <laughs> nice, yeah. Yeah, got to do it. It's got to happen. And, you know, unless people are totally crazy, I think the record will re reach them and gain legs because it's it's really great music. It kind of caught me off guard because the record came across my desk and I'm like, oh, a Death Wish band. So this will be like cool, uh, blackened hardcore with some blast beats. I'm into that. I'm very into that. And then I listened to it and I was like, wait a second, wait a second. Like, this is a combination of so many things I like, uh, almost pop punk elements, emo, a little post hardcore, the heartfelt lyrics about uh, dealing with things and just the, the community aspect. And it was everything that I could have asked for. Wow. Well, thank you so much. That's, 
That's wicked. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's amazing to put it out with like this label with such rich history and legacy or whatever. But I guess I didn't realize the amount that people or w- what Death Wish was associated so closely with. And I, I was hearing sort of Greet Death and these newer bands they were signing um, that sing or whatever. And um, but totally, I get, I get what you mean, and I've heard it. I've heard it that people were taken aback, but I hope in a positive way. I imagine that these, that people that are like quite into metal or hardcore or whatever, there's no way they're not secretly listening to <laughs> Jimmy E World or whatever, right? I don't know. Of I just, course. I think, of course. I just picture that they're all must, and I love that type of music too, whatever, but I'm like, there must be, you guys must need to be relieved. <laughs> every once in a while listen to someone <laughs> sing a hook or whatever you know i don't know i was gonna say what t- what really got me uh when i was going through it i'm like a super like heavy kind of like i listen to heavy music but i also i kind of temper it with uh i listen to you know the flaming lips and spiritualized and that kind of stuff as well and actually i was really taken with the track vicious circle I actually wrote this down hold on let me make sure i read this correctly Vicious Circle reminded me of a Flaming Lips song. Wow. Uh, and one of the things that I, I my question really kind of centers around, there's a really beautiful strings part that kind of comes up in the background. Do you do all the arrangement for that? How does that work in terms of, do you write those parts on guitar? How does that work? No, it's a good question. I wish that, uh, yeah. Um, that was uh, written by a friend of mine here. and um, And then... I wanted to add an additional layer. Uh, so another friend wrote it and then uh, a girl in Russia recorded like a four part, like a string quartet for that. So in, in total, there were like eight string parts being played on on Vicious Circle. But no, I wish I could have an ear for that sort of like classical, you know, string instinct. But I don't, but they killed it. And it became a challenge with that song because I'm like, fuck, this is too beautiful for my voice. <laughs> so I was like, who else? And there, and then I asked um, Dallas Green, who plays in my favorite ever band, if he would be up for singing on it. And luckily he was. And, and so he's just singing on the second verse and on the choruses with me there. So, and he lived up to the fucking beauty those strings posed on (laughs) on the song but um that's cool i i i honestly need to check flame um who did you say flaming lips flaming lips and go and listen yeah go out and listen to uh the the album is called yoshimi battles the pink robots i think is what it's called okay tight it's a it's a, an amazing record, but it it really when I started listening, Keith always yells at me for this. When I go to Spotify, I always go to the pop most popular songs first instead of going to the discography. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I did the right thing this time, which is I went to the discography and I listened to it on the way to work this morning and on the way home. And vicious circles came on, like literally as I was about to pull in my driveway, and I sat there and listened to the whole song, which I never do. I usually just say pull in, turn the car off, get out, start doing. I sat there and listened to the whole thing, and I was like, that was a gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. composition, absolutely beautiful. Damn. Well, I really appreciate you listening, and yeah, listening all the way through, and shit. It was uh, that song was a sort of laborious song, and there were many like attempts at different 
arrangement even like where should the fucking drums come in and where should the there was a lot of push and pull trying to get that one right so but i'm proud of the way it eventually turned out so i appreciate you yeah you you guys you nailed it dude that that (laughs) one is on my that one is on my personal playlist now you got us brandon (laughs) hey amazing (laughs) tight thank you (laughs) but i like what you were saying about death wish i like the direction they're going because even though it's not heavy music per se it still, I think, fits with the Death Wish vibe. Like when I heard Greet Death for the first time, I was like, what is this? This is amazing. But when you listen to the lyrics, it's still really dreary, but really beautiful music. And I was like, okay. And I think you guys fit into that to a degree as well. So, but yeah, here's the thing. Really heavy, crazy music was my entry point, but I've expanded a lot. I've gone deep into post-rock, emo, post-hardcore, everything. And if I'm being perfectly honest, my heart is more with music like yours, Brandon, you know, like I, I I like really heavy music live and I like to get knocked around or if I'm walking somewhere or going to the subway, I'll throw on a really heavy band and I'm like, yeah, let's go. So it's like a, it's like a situational thing. Yeah. No, I feel you for sure. I think I imagine for death wish, like Trey has a background of touring and, I might, I remember back then how sort of eclectic bills would be. There'd be like seven or eight bands on one show, and um, right, and they'd be they'd be different. At least in my experience, there there'd be all sorts of different shit, you know. So I guess I I guess I in my mind, Trey probably just got a good ear from that experience, right, and being exposed to all this different type of shit. And I imagine um, the label's just shaping up to be more like what he experienced or whatever. And I saw his like Spotify wrapped or whatever. I remember like Wikiface, Springs Eternal was on that. And just these different artists that aren't necessarily the like pigeonhole maybe that Deathwish belonged to in the past. Um, I think it's just maybe evolving or what. I can't speak for the label totally. And I'm new around here, but um, it's. Uh, it's sweet. And I'm a fan of the label though. Like, and I've been a fan. I have old hoodies that have the death wish logo on them and whatever. And, um, I've been a fan, so it's been an honor to be putting this out with them. All right. So what do we have coming up? The record has just been released, but we have, uh, we have conceived the summer of suffering 2022 tour. So that's got to happen now, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, for real, what do you have coming up? What's next for the band? Yeah, we're doing some festival shit over the summer. Uh, we're doing Outbreak Fest and uh, in Manchester. There's a bunch of bands that we love playing that. And we're do- just doing some festival shit. I guess we're honestly just trying to figure out a lot of the stuff. Um, stuff's being pushed around, obviously, like I said. So just trying to sort it. I don't, it's weird. I'm just in a weird place because I don't totally know what's going to (laughs) happen. I'm hoping to, the goal and the sort of energy I'm putting out there is like that we will play 150 shows or whatever this year. I want to play the shit out of this year. I want to play the shit out of this record, but we're still trying to figure out like who we're going to go on tour with and who could we support out there that is bigger than us, you know, and we could open for. where should we headline? So, so truth be told, we've got some of this stuff in the summer and I imagine we'll book tours around them, but 
but it's still just being talked about. And I manage this project and it's just kind of DIY, but it's also just parked at these like booking agencies in different territories. And so it's just about like keeping up with each other and my agents and I, you know, um, that work on this project and, and figuring it out. And that's just kind of ongoing, but fingers crossed for a few tours that we've submitted and put our name forward for, um, that will happen. Uh, between April and October anyways. So just hoping for the best, really. So we're in a holding pattern right now, but we, yeah. we've casted out our line for some big fish and we're hoping for some bites. Exactly. You got it. I guess I'll just be posting about tours as they sort of happen and we figure them out, you know, on Instagram and whatever else. I'm sure Deathwish and Dine Alone will be as well. And yeah, I guess those are sort of the main projects that are coming up within this project and i hope to still shoot some music videos and stuff and maybe some live stuff we can throw online but um just working away just going to keep working at this and i kind of it's out now and the rollout the so-called rollout has been rolled out but i think the plan is to just keep it rolling throughout this year as much as we can so just going to keep giving her Absolutely. Sounds awesome. You can follow Chastity at Chastity Songs on Instagram. So look for some updates on there. Oh yeah. There Thank you go. You. Instagram is the spot. That's where I that's where I honestly get most of my information. Totally. Same here. Yeah. All right, good. So I'm not alone there. Yeah. All right. So let's recap, folks. Here's what we're gonna do. Number one, we are going to purchase, not just listen to, but purchase Suffer Summer which was released January 13th via Death Wish and Dine Alone. Purchase it, listen to it, love it, and most importantly, recommend it to a friend. Yes? Yes. Nailed it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. All right. And we're going to check out Chastity online. We're going to check them out on their festival tour dates that are coming up. And we're going to keep an eye out for any upcoming tour or show announcements. Yes? Perfect. Yes. Got it. There you go. And if we feel like it, if we feel like it, we'll play hockey or maybe watch hockey, but only if we feel like it. (laughs) Nice. Yes. Got it. And if you go to a hockey game and there's a nice young person helping out, keeping score and all that stuff, we're not going to yell at them. (laughs) They are are simply a cog in the machine. They are just trying to help. Exactly. You did. You've nailed it. I mean, come on. Well, Brandon, we want to thank you for coming on the show. You know, we we really dig the band and we think you have a very bright future. So I'm looking forward to more. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for saying and for having me on to this. It's amazing and really appreciate your time and hope to meet in person maybe some someday down the road. So thank you guys again. There you have it, folks. Brandon Williams. Really nice to talk to him. I'm glad we got in touch with him. I really enjoyed the band. I really enjoyed talking to him, you know, hearing about his process, hearing about how he deals with things. And that trucker convoy thing is still going on, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny that we brought that up. I was like, I I actually, uh, I saw a news story today that the uh, prime minister might invoke some type of emergency law kind of thing to 
start forcibly removing people because it's like it's essentially shut down Ottawa. So Chastity is a great band. I listen to them a lot, Tommy. This is this is one of those times where I I got the hit as soon as I heard them and I was like I got to listen to more of this. And you know, the record is just fantastic. I hope I I hope I get to see Brandon live at some point. Yeah, I I actually I, I keep thinking back to Vicious Circle does have this real it's like a Flaming Lips vibe. If you haven't listened to Flaming Lips, like the, it's this, it's acoustic, but it's heartfelt, but there's string or like there's a string backing and uh, it's a ballad. Yeah. It's just, it's a beautifully but written good. song. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, I love people that are able to kind of navigate music in a way that's not just every song sounds like the same style. Like, yeah, you can hit like four different songs on that record that sound like four completely different bands. Yeah, he's he does. He, one song could be like a pop punk sounding hit. And then you have the beautiful ballad that makes me cry in Vicious Circle. It's a uh, it's got it all. Oh, yeah. Now, Tommy, Valentine's Day was last week. Yes. So lay it on me. How did you celebrate? You're married. What'd you do? Uh, We got presents together for the girls. Yes. Is, and uh that's it we don't my wife and i don't do anything we literally do what? we don't we don't we don't exchange gifts we've all we haven't done like a real valentine's day probably in about 10 years really oh yeah since like the first couple years we were married and even then it was like we would get sushi from our favorite place and like a bottle of wine or something like that it, so you didn't get your wife anything no we got it we nothing not no flowers no candy nothing nothing and she's cool with that. Yeah, because we do we do nothing for each other like that. Like we always just make it as like a part of like if you want to do something nice for somebody, don't wait for a specific day. Just do something nice. So like there's is, is she single? I'm pretty sure she's like kind of with me. Oh, right. Yeah. OK. So, I mean, you know, it was a joke. You can laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do the deadpan like I didn't get the joke thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think um yeah I we we've never been a part we've never been something that like uh it, it's not been something that we've made a big focus in our relationship especially gift giving it's always kind of been like it's spontaneous so like I'll find something like I I went to go pick up uh we go to this place near my house called Produce Junction and went to go pick up like tons of fruit for the girls and uh they had really cool orchid plants there so I bought her two orchids for her one for home and one for her classroom. And Oh, that's really nice. But it was it wasn't Valentine's Day, it was like October. <laughs> so you do nice surprise stuff, just not on the designated days. Yeah, hunt, yeah, it's we never do it on the designated days. Like the Okay. Yeah, we just don't do it. Like that's been our thing is like, you know, my family makes a big deal out of like we don't give birthday cards anymore. Oh yeah, I think we talked about Yeah, this. so like it, it's just it seems like a it's like a it's a gesture that seems like that it's nice, but at the same time, it's like, eh, I'd rather you spend that money on something that means something. Tommy revealed something rather startling while we were gearing up to record this segment. Go ahead. Tell the people what you said, Tommy. Well, uh, you were like, well, what'd you do for Valentine's Day? And I said, we did stuff for my kids. And then my wife and I make out. <laughs> I can't picture you making out. <laughs> 
Like, how does it happen? Do you just do it, or is it, or you like it's time to make out? Uh, no. Well, it it started as my wife has been going to a chiropractor for probably about the last three months because she has uh not really bad, but she has like this kind of lower back pain that's not gone away. So she had a heating pad on it when before she was getting in bed, and when she was getting up, she still kind of made like that uh, like noise, and I was like do you want me to rub your back? And she's like, absolutely. So I rubbed her back for a little bit and then she kissed me and then we just kept kissing. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. These sultry shenanigans of Tommy that go on that I have no idea about. Yeah, dude. Icy hot and fucking <laughs> heating pads. It was super hot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I did for Valentine's Day? Twitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I watched twitch but i didn't do anything i just ordered dinner and i think i went to bed at 10 o'clock because i had a crazy weekend which i'll get to in a minute but so i think monday night became my sunday night and i just went to bed super early and did nothing and that was cool because last year tommy valentine's day and that week was a disaster was that the beach trip yep oh boy it's been about a year since the the breakup tommy Oof. Can you believe it? it uh, if I'm being honest, it seems longer than that. We're a year removed from that. That's good. Valentine's Day did nothing. That's good. Now, how are we doing, Tommy? How are we doing? I, I'm gonna reveal a I'm gonna reveal a vulnerable moment that I had last weekend, Tommy. It's gonna be a big cliffhanger. But first, let's talk about you. Uh so everybody's good here. We're all healthy. Uh, everybody seems to be pretty happy. Uh, don't have anything really big happening right now, which is good for me. Um, I still haven't found out if <laughs> what my salary is for this fucking new job. So <laughs> I'm like <laughs> on the edge of my seat. And I just found out that the board meeting that where they're going to vote on it was originally scheduled for, fr- I think this Friday and they had to reschedule it so now it's february 23rd so i might get an answer sometime in march about how much i'm going to get paid if i take this job so uh i'm a little bit uh i'll be honest i'm a, i'm disappointed but at the same time in my head i'm going well the job wouldn't start till july anyway so i i understand that they want to get all their ducks in a row and kind of make sure everything's uh straight before making any type of you know m- m- like money offers i get that but also the part of me where i'm like uh am i doing this job or not it's, it's kind of it's kind of getting a little old uh but yeah yeah work's going great uh i got to go to the skate park by myself uh this past weekend it was like 45 degrees in the morning it was one of the nicest moments i've had by myself in a long time, like about, uh, you know, a couple years. Like I, I really sat down by myself, watched the sunrise. I drank my hot coffee and meditated for a couple minutes. And then I skated for about two hours with my headphones on. And because the days before it and the day after it were really cold and rainy and snowy and crappy, I had the whole park to myself for two hours. It, it was amazing. It was really a nice day. I actually came home and the girls were like, well, you're awful smiley. What's happened? Are you? And I was like laughing and joking. I made pancakes and everything. They were, like, they were like, you're in a really good mood. I was like, I just had the best morning I've had in a very long time. So it was really great. I hope as the weather gets nicer, I get to do that more often. And then Ellie gets to come with me and kind of share in those moments. So 
Well, the picture you posted is really cool, too. So, folks, if you're one of the lucky ones who have tracked down Tommy's Instagram, check it out. Well, how are yeah? So how are you? Yeah, how are you doing? No, wait. Go, hold on. I'm not, I'm going to not say anything, and then you're going to ask that again, so we can practice. Ready? Okay. Okay. All right. So that's how everything went with me. So Keith, how are you doing? Oh, Tommy, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> now, <laughs> well, I had a great weekend and a weird weekend. Now, Tommy, I'm going to reveal something here. I can get pretty down on myself sometimes. For no particular reason. Okay. And this happened last Friday night. There was like a small change in what usually happens. And I just, I got really kind of upset over for no reason. I don't, you know, I'm sure there's some psychological tie back to grade school and a bunch of other stuff that happened. I can get really down on myself and really hard on myself. And it happened Friday and I was bummed out all night. And I couldn't sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night and then I was like, I couldn't get back to sleep. And I was like, I was like, dude, dude, okay, look at what's going on right now. Here's what I did, Tommy. I was like, okay, Saturday, you're meeting up with Robert, right? In Tompkins Square Park, as I usually do. And then Brad met up as well, who's been on our show, right? Yeah. That was Saturday afternoon. Right after that, I had band practice, right? Okay. And then. And then after that, I went to catch my friend Martin's art show in Williamsburg. Folks, check him out online, Martin Monroe, M-U-N-R-O-E, on Instagram. He is a full-time artist, and he does good stuff. So if you're in the market for some good art, check it out. So that's three things, Tommy, that I did in one day. Three things. That's awesome. Can you believe that? Uh, with the the way life has been give going, give me a short answer because I'm rolling here. With the way of life has been going for you, yes, I totally can see that. Okay, so Sunday, Tommy. Sunday, I streamed. I did a Warzone stream. I worked on the podcast, and then I went to a Super Bowl party at night. Can you believe that I went to a Super Bowl party, Tommy? No, thank you. <laughs> did you talk about? Fo- did you talk about football while you were there? A little bit. I, I I pretty much just sat there and watched the TV the whole time because, you know, that's easy to do. And it was with my bandmates, Tommy. It was a good time. Cool. Okay. So I'm like, dude, look at all of this stuff you are doing. Like you have friends, you have the podcast, you're putting together a new band. There is just endless things to do. So why, like, what more do you need? What imagined scenario are you yearning for? What? What is it? What is it? So relax, relax and enjoy yourself. So I did. I think by Saturday, I had forgotten all the bad feelings I had Friday and, and that was it. That's awesome. So you kind of took stock for a second, went, look at how every, how rad everything is right now. And then kind of reveled in that moment. Exactly. Because something very minor can happen that will set me off or something completely fictional can happen in my mind that will set me off. And I have to remind myself, everything's cool. There, you know, life is very full. What do you think of that? I think that's insane progress. There you go. Also, I think that's a, I think that's a great coping mechanism to have is to be able to just take a moment, take stock and be like, look, things are good. And I need to consistently remind myself of how good things are because it's easy to get into that frame of mind. I've done it before too. I I absolutely have. And it, it, the fact that you're able to talk yourself out of it without having to go through 
other means is is huge. Yes, I I let the thoughts in and I let them right back out. I do not drown them with random powders and uh, liquids anymore. That's awesome. How do you feel about that? Uh, I should. Why am I asking you? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I was going to say. This seems like more of a you question. You should feel phenomenal about that. But I would. What is? What do you care if I think? I care what you think. Okay. Well, I I think uh, I think you're an awesome person, and I think that you that your ability to do that is something that other people envy. There you go. Yeah. Uh, what I took away from that is people envy me. Yes. And I will dine out on that for the next <laughs> one year. <laughs> all right so tommy we've got some new reviews you want to read them yeah absolutely thank you for all the new reviews that have come in keep them coming we're going to read two of them now okay this one is from bali mcwienerstein <laughs> <laughs> oh oh that's a okay. that's a great name okay okay here comes the review five stars 100 percent excellence insightful warm Genuine and fun to listen to conversations with sincerely interesting guests, not just on a music level, but on a human level. Bravo, Keith and Tommy. Keep up the great work. That's awesome. I wonder if we're related. That's my mother's maiden name, McWienerstein. (laughs) Is it really? No! (laughs) No, my mother's maiden name is Dunn. D-U-N-N. And I thought maybe it was like some Irish thing. (laughs) McWienerstein. All right, here comes one more from Death of the Party. Solid podcast, five stars. Came here to listen to Walter's episode and loved it. Scrolling through past episodes and I liked what I saw. I'll be listening to past episodes and keep returning. Thank you, Death of the Party. There you go. The reviews are rolling in, Tommy, and they are very high. Thank you guys so much for the reviews. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> especially Bolly McWienerstein and <laughs> death of the party. I, 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 I really appreciate those. I just, uh, I wish the McWienerstein family the best. I knew you would like that. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I can't. I, that's a, that is the funniest thing. <laughs> All right. We also got a very nice email from Mark Borassa and I'm going to read it right now. Mark says, hi, Keith and Tommy. I've been meaning to write you guys for a while now. I've been listening to you guys since close to when the pod began, and I love the podcast for many reasons. You both are entertaining. You ask relevant and unique questions, and I can tell that you both simply love music. All true. I love that we come from similar places and similar cultures, and I enjoy listening to you guys talk about life, even without the guests on the show. I also love that you're just normal dudes like me. As you know, part of being normal is that we all have to go through the beautiful and painful things that life can so harshly deliver. And one of the best parts of the podcast is that you are both willing to be vulnerable and honest about tough topics related to addiction, family, death, self-awareness, and doubting your creativity, amongst many other harsh things. I love how you guys do this all from a standpoint of growth and working on yourselves in a positive way. I hope you don't underestimate how valuable it is to model a willingness to be vulnerable for us listeners out in the world, especially for us dummy dudes in the scene. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are also great because you don't lay it on too thick and you aren't preachy about stuff. You simply just share who you are and it is a beautiful thing. I love the podcast, guys. Thanks for all you do. You've got me listening to a bunch of bands I wouldn't have without you. Maybe one day our paths will cross. I wish you the best. Sincerely, 
Mark Barossa. Wow. Wow. See, these are these are the type of emails I really love getting because, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again. When I was really down and out, I would listen to the Stern Show or I would listen to certain podcasts or whatever I was listening to. Like Those were my friends. It was like a community that I listened to, and I loved it. And when we started our show, Tommy, I thought, oh, like maybe people will think that about us one day. Like maybe we can help somebody in some way someday. And folks have written us and said that we've helped and that they've related to us and that type of thing. And I think that is the greatest thing of all. I also like the fact that he's getting tur- like turned on to other bands through us. That's huge. Like that people yeah. are getting exposed to new music and, and listening to bands. Like there's sometimes where we have bands on that are really established. And then we have other bands on that are newer and just kind of coming of age. Uh, the fact that we're able to kind of bring a voice to all of those types of uh, artists that are out there is just, uh, it's huge. And the fact that it's having this type of impact on people is it, literally, it's why we do this. And it's, it was, you know, really our goal from the beginning was to make sure people got to hear cool music and, and talk about stuff that, you know, we want to hear about. Exactly. I want to ask the questions I never heard to the artists I love. And I want our personal experience to be out there so that maybe it'll help others. I think that is our mission statement, Tommy. I think that's a a phenomenal mission statement to be behind. There you go. Well, we're out of time, but I want to thank everybody for listening. This has been great. You are great. You are great. I'm talking to you, Tommy, and I am talking to the audience collectively. Okay. I thought maybe you were going to say something. or no, I, 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 I like to just throw stuff at you and see what sticks yeah, and what bounces I, I, off. Uh, and... I, thank you. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I don't know how to respond to that. Uh, you could say that you think I'm great. I tell you you're great all the time. I know you already did just five minutes. Ago. I was going right. to say <laughs> enough. I'm I'm done torturing Tommy. We'll be back next week with another new episode and another new guest. So thanks everybody for listening. And until next time. Yay!